Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Are you feeling stuck in maybe one of your relationships or maybe more than one? Maybe it's with a friend or um, a spouse or your kids or maybe someone that you work with. And sometimes you get stuck and you're okay to stay stuck, at least for a while. You go, you're going to say, I'm okay right now. I'm stuck, but that's okay. Sometimes you're, you're feeling a little stuck and, and you wish you could just change things, but you really don't know how. So, and if you want to try to change, I think you've tuned into the perfect hour because Dr. Glenn Pickering is joining me this hour. And that's the very topic we're going to talk about today. Glenn is uh, quite an unusual mixture of professions. He's an engineer. He's a minister. He's a psychologist with a PhD. So he has a very interesting brain and it's always nice to tap into it. Glenn, welcome. Thanks. Me and my interesting brain liked your intro. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're on the same page. So moving forward in any relationship takes some guidance and some uh, understanding. I am looking forward to you taking us through this today. All right, great. I um, I want to start here. When Jesus in Mark 1, so the very beginning of the gospel, he says we are supposed to turn and believe in the good news. Because the gospel, because you know the kingdom of God is at hand, he said. And so we need to understand that God is always saying to every single one of us the same thing God says to me basically every single day, which is, Glenn, I'm going to try and create an amazing new life for you, starting from where you are right now. Are you coming? Hmm. I, I like that invitation. I want. I'm trying to lead you into an amazing new life, starting from where you are right now. Are you coming? Hmm. So. When I work with people who are going through relationship struggles, oftentimes the first question is, Glenn, can this actually be different? Could this actually transform? Could, could, this, could we actually do this differently? Because they, they're having a hard time seeing beyond the way it is. And I totally get that. But we really need to believe what Jesus taught, that the kingdom of God is at hand, that God is ready to transform our lives starting from where we are right now. That's the good news. Mm-hmm. So. People say, Glenn, is it possible to change this relationship? The answer, of course, is always yes, unless we get in the way, which we often do. And I don't mean that judgmentally. There's no condemnation in Christ, none. I just know that there are three things every one of us humans is likely to do if we're sort of stuck in a relationship that keeps that promise of God from actually being fulfilled. The promise is always true. But we sometimes get in the way of the fulfillment, if that makes sense. And it does make sense. So I'm interested, Glenn, if you would be willing to maybe walk us through those three things. Great. Super. Okay. So the first one is we get stuck in the past. And I don't just mean their past. I mean our past also. Because, um, well, you know, Jesus says in Mark 9, after, you know, saying that thing about the kingdom of God is at hand, so you can transform your life. He says in Mark 9, no one who puts their hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. And when I was younger, I used to hear that, and it sounded so judgmental to me. 
like almost harsh, like, oh, you're not fit for the kingdom. But Jesus is just saying at that moment, when I'm looking past, I am not moving into the kingdom. Because remember, God's one thing to say to me is, Glenn, I'm trying to create an amazing new life for you, starting from where you are right now. Are you coming? But if I'm looking back over my shoulder, thinking about the dumb mistakes I made or the bad things they did, see, the answer to the question, are you coming, is no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's... I'm stuck. That's... I'm looking back there. So, um, so we need to understand, when Jesus said, we can't put our hand in the plow and look back and think somehow that way we're going to enter into the kingdom. Again, it's not judgmental. Jesus is just trying to help us understand this is one of the things that we humans tend to do that gets in the way of our moving into the kingdom. And he just wanted us to know that. And Glenn, Glenn, don't a lot of people come in to see you for counseling because they have some unfinished business from their past that is, in fact, keeping them stuck? Yes, in fact, very, very often. So we they come in and, you know, they've been hurt in the past. They've got grievances about that person or that relationship. And they're seeing themselves and that other person as being that person, that person that they were. And by that they were, it might have meant up until yesterday. <laughs> but they're not seeing the new creation that we hear about in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we are to become a new creation. They're not seeing even the possibility that that person and themselves could be transformed, could be different. And so when we get, when people come in telling me stories about bad things that have happened to them in their past, maybe even especially in that relationship, it's not that I don't believe their stories. I totally believe their stories. And I totally believe that the things that happened to them were hurtful. So I'm not, I'm not dismissive of that. And it's not that I don't believe them. It's just that I really know this, that even that, though that chapter did happen, it doesn't mean that that has to be the final chapter on that relationship or on our lives. I, uh, you know, a lot of people who listen in know that, you know, I was born with a broken back. I'm autistic. I have Coke bottle glasses. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I started off with a lot of strikes. But even then, even when I was so lonely, I could have died of loneliness in the most literal way possible. I knew I did not want that to be the final chapter of my life as an individual or in relationships. And so we have to be clear. It's not that those bad things didn't happen. They did. Mm -hmm. We just don't want that to be the final chapter of that story. Yeah, I mean, even when you talk about chapters, it doesn't have to be the final chapter. It can just be the next chapter that you're looking what? at going, I don't want my next chapter to be going in this direction. And sometimes it's very difficult to stop it. I know. Because, you know, Sir Isaac Newton was right that an object in motion tends to stay in motion. You yeah. Know, so inertia. So once we let a relationship get to a certain point, the easiest thing to do is let that just keep unraveling the way it is right now. It literally takes an act of will to do that differently. All I have to do is once a relationship goes bad, all I have to do is nothing and it will keep going more and more bad. Mm -hmm. That's now go ahead. Well, I was, I was just saying the chapters that are ahead of us, not necessarily right. the last chapter, but you do. Yeah. I mean, you've still got plenty of chapters in the book, but you're looking right. at a chapter going in this phase of life. I, I don't want to become this person, but then you see yourself having behavior that indicates you are becoming that person. 
And that's when you start to say, "Uh uh-oh, now what do I do? Yes, because if I don't change something, the next chapter is going to look a lot like the last one. Yeah, it's 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 not going to look good. No. So I I think this all the time, that we are literally commanded to grow in love. So in First Thessalonians 3, for example, and 4, it talks about, you know, Paul is saying, hey, I know you guys love each other. I know you love me. He doesn't say, but keep doing that. He says, let that love abound more and more and more and more. For this is the will of God for you. This is what sanctification looks like, is we get more and more and more loving. So if there's any relationship in my life where I think to myself, I really would not want this to be the last chapter. We need a new chapter. It's important. I'm not just encouraged to move towards transformation. I'm literally commanded to do that differently. And and I don't take that commandment lightly. That's not an empty wish. That's not God saying, God, gee, I kind of wish maybe things were better for you. It's like, no, God commands us to see what's not right in those relationships and to take courage and move forward in some different and new way. Mm-hmm. I love that command to love uh, more and more. This is right. the will of God for you. And I, I do believe that that is a, the great, one of the greatest commands that, Obviously, God has given us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And we can keep life fairly simple if we keep focused on those two things. I think it's so true. And it's so easy. Like I said, we get stuck in the past or things that have happened back there. And it's not that they're untrue. It's just that we really are called to move forward. Mm -hmm. Our individual faith life and in our relationships, it's the same either way. Um, we need to always be thinking, what do I want my next chapter to look like? What is God writing on my heart now for my individual life and for my relationships? It's the same either way. Those are great questions. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. We're talking about moving forward in any relationship. So Glenn, maybe you would comment on a relationship that, that even if it's great, we can't stay there. What does that mean? Well, I just love that. So Paul says, you know, you love each other, that's great. I want you to love each other more and more and more and more. And so in Philippians 3.14, it talks about the upward call in Christ Jesus. Even, like he said, I press on. It's not that I made it my own yet, but I press on to make it my own. Like, even if I'm on a good path, even if I'm in a relationship that I think, this is a good relationship. God's like, wait, glad to hear it. Now, how are you going to make that better? Like, so whether relationships are stuck in a bad place or sort of, coming along in a sort of okay, pretty good place, we're still commanded in exactly the same way to love more and more, to abound more and more in love, to take even the relationships in our life that are going pretty well and asking ourselves, okay, how could that be better? Mm-hmm. And of course, you want that to be a two-way street because you oh, want to yeah. say, I want to start loving more and more. And I certainly hope that that other person responds in a similar fashion. Right. Now, yes, Absolutely. But here's the trick. Sometimes when I talk to people about the changes they are going to need to make in order for the relationship to work, right? You know, they're half, they're 50%. Mm-hmm. They sort of say, well, well, what if that other person is not willing to do their part? And that question is totally understandable, but it's not helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the end of my day, when me and God just take a few minutes in prayer time to kind of evaluate how my day went, I noticed God never asked me any questions about how anything turned out or about what anybody else did. Mm-hmm. One basic question for me is, Glenn, did you do what I asked you to do? Hmm. I like that. That's a good yeah. start. Dr. Glenn Pickering right. is my guest. We're talking about moving forward in any relationship. Maybe you feel 
a little stuck where you are, if you have a question for Glenn regarding that, you can text it over. The text line is open, 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. And we come back, we'll continue discussing uh, moving forward with Dr. Glenn Pickering. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting myfaithradio.com. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. You can learn about him at drglennpickering.com. That's Glenn with two N's. He offers a very lovely uh, offer halfway down his front page of his uh, website that offers 20 minutes of uh, consultation free. All you have to do is uh, put your name and a place for him to contact you and no strings attached. You get 20 minutes with Glenn. So... We're talking about if you're stuck today, maybe we can help get you unstuck. And if you have a question for Glenn about that very topic, you can send it over to 877-933-2484. Glenn, let's talk about finding a new starting place. And how does that apply with your 50-50 rule? Just remind people what that is. Great. Thank you. That's a great place to start that conversation. Um, Well, let me start here. Mostly... When people come in for help, and honestly, this is just true for all of us, we look at the other person in the relationship and we basically think to ourselves, if you would just get it together, I'd be fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we know there's relationship trouble, and mostly what we can see is what they're doing wrong. And again, it's totally human. I, I don't judge anybody for thinking that way. But again, it's an understandable thought, but it's not a helpful one because it's not how things actually work. That's why Jesus said, Basically, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye or your sister's eye? You don't see the log in your own eye. So mm-hmm. going to repair our relationship, we have to start by asking ourselves, what could I do differently? And that means finding a different starting place, mostly. Because I have some assumptions and some behaviors that are keeping that pattern in our relationship going, patterns that I don't want. Mm-hmm. So, for example... If, my, if a parent says to me, Glenn, my 14-year-old kid comes home, I ask him how his day was, he says, fine, he goes into his room, I don't see him again for three hours. I ask him about a few questions at supper, I get monosyllable answers, and so maybe this is just a phase he's going through, this or she's going through. And I always think to myself, okay, it's easy to just think, well, they're a teenager, they're going through a hard phase, that's just how they are. But that's not a Christ-like way to think about it. A Christ-like way would require more humility, where I ask myself, is there anything I've done or are doing that is keeping that pattern going? And I've seen this one play out so many times. Oftentimes, a parent will come in with their teenage kid, basically saying that same sort of thing. And then I turn to the kid and I say, "Uh, what happens And that interaction with your parent when you come home, that makes you want to go to your room. 
And at first they look at me a little surprised, like I'm not blaming them for the problem, but I get it's all 50 50. Mm-hmm. So I'll say, so what happens that keeps you from having a conversation? And they're going to tell me, I get pestered with so many con- so many questions, I just feel overwhelmed. Or they'll ask a question like, hey, how'd your math test go? And I say, oh, I didn't do as well as I wanted to. And then they say, I told you you should study harder. Why were you on your video games last night? I'm just going to get judged. I'm going to get condemned. I'm going to get told what's wrong with me. And you know what? It's so painful. It's just better for me to not talk. And and the parent hears that. And, of course, sometimes they get a little defensive. Again, totally understandable. But it's just a perfect example of why when we see something going wrong in a relationship, a parenting relationship in this matter, we need to find a new starting place. Mm. And I can't start by reading them the same way every single day. I need to think to myself, okay, I need to find a different way from my end to start that interaction. And maybe I say, hey, you know what? I think I might be doing something that keeps you from wanting to tell me how your day was. Or, honey, what would be a better way? Because I really want to know what's happening with you, but maybe come, when you come home is not the right time. Is there a better time? In other words, I'm going to start off with the assumption that there's probably a better way I could do my part, and I'm going to ask them what that is. I like that. Now, I, I now, like that a lot. Now, notice that means we're going to start our conversation from a different place, not the same mm-hmm. old place. Just assume you're a teenager, you're just self-centered, this is how you are. And instead ask myself, no, what could I do differently? And as soon as we ask that question, again, we have to, it takes a certain humility, a certain willingness to just see ourselves honestly. But the more we can do that, the more we're actually going to be able to start from a new place instead of just having the same old pattern over and over again. And, you know, I think a lot about that old um, AA saying about, you know, the definition of insanity, you know, we keep doing things the same way and expecting the results to be different. So mm-hmm. we need to ask, if I was going to start that conversation from a different place, how could I do that? Boy, that's, maybe, that's, good. Yeah. that's good wisdom, Glenn, it really is. Because obviously the kid isn't giving any kind of response and the parent is frustrated. Right. So there's got to maybe be a new starting place that works better for both of them. Exactly. And it will totally be a win-win because the kid actually wants to talk to the parent and the parent actually wants to know what's happening to their kid. But they're having an interaction where it's a lose-lose, where literally nobody's getting what they want. All right. So just show them a better place to start from where everybody gets what they want. They start looking at each other differently. And eventually they're going to remember they actually like each other. Yeah. So <laughs> you're you're my parent and I'm the kid and I come home and you said, how's the math test? And I said, well, Dad, I didn't do as well as I'd hoped I, I did. What, what do you say? I say, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> There's a lot of awkward silence right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So are you giving me space to say maybe I could have studied more or the test was harder than I thought? Or are you just looking to mine more information out of me? What's the plan? I, I might even just say, that's too bad. What happened, honey? Well, you know, I just, uh, there's a part of it I just wasn't very clear on from the beginning, and I realized in the test I wasn't very clear on that. Yeah. I'm going to say, oh, that makes so much sense to me. No judgment. I might ask, and I might even just leave it at that, so they feel like, hey, it's safe to talk to my dad. I don't get judged. He just listens, and he cares about me. Yeah, to which I would say, to which I would say math is about numbers. What's with letters in math? I don't get it. What the heck? That took me by surprise. There's no letters in math. Eventually, I might say to them, huh, 
is there a way I can help you going forward so you feel more prepared next time? But yeah. that's a question, not a demand, not a, here's what you have to do. I'm just going to ask. If there's a way I can help you with that, let me know. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Okay. Um, Go ahead. No, so we, we just talked about uh, we get stuck in the past, and it's their past and our past. So right. now, Glenn, if we can, let's move on to um, the second one, which is we don't want to be vulnerable. Right. It's really interesting. We can't be in any relationship of any depth whatsoever if I'm not willing to be vulnerable with that other person, one. And two, being vulnerable scares the heck out of us. Mm-hmm. That- it's just true about all of us. Now, so sometimes people are coming maybe out of a divorce or a breakup of a relationship or something went really badly. And they're very likely to say to me, Glenn, I just don't want to get hurt again. Which I, again, I totally get. No one wants to volunteer to get hurt again, for goodness sakes. And so they say, so that's why I'm not dating or that's why I'm not, I'm not reaching out to friends or that's why I'm not kind of engaging with people at work anymore. But I always think, see, that's what I call the big lie of invulnerability. And here's what I mean. People used to say to me, when I suggested some things I might want to do differently, they might say something to me like, oh, Glenn, but I might get hurt if I do that. And I used to, I used to know there's something wrong with that sentence, but I didn't know what. Mm-hmm. It took me a while to understand what's wrong with that sentence is the part that goes unsaid. Glenn, if I'm vulnerable, like you're recommending, I might get hurt. And the part of that goes onset is, and so if I'm invulnerable, I won't get hurt. So that's my choice. But I really understand that's a lie. The truth is, I can either be vulnerable, in which case I might get hurt. That's true. I'm not going to argue about that. Or I could stay invulnerable and I get hurt for sure. You know what we all fear more than anything is being alone. And if I'm invulnerable, so nobody gets in, nobody knows how I'm doing, nobody knows how to help me, nobody really knows much of anything actually real about me. I go through all of my life alone, which means I get hurt for absolute certain. Mm-hmm. So if I think, when I, if I'm vulnerable like you're asking me, I might get hurt. Or if I say invulnerable, I won't. Then being, in, being vulnerable just seems like really a bad idea. Yeah. If I really get no. If I'm vulnerable, yeah, there's an 8 to 27% chance that I might get hurt. But if I'm invulnerable, there's a 100% chance that I will never live the life I want. Oh. Well, when I get that those are the only two actual options, suddenly being vulnerable in the right way with the right people starts to make a little more sense. Mm-hmm. I think in the animal kingdom where the predator goes after the one that's become isolated, and that is certainly the same in our Christian life when we get isolated or feel like we're alone and we're not reaching out is when I think there's more opportunity for enemy attack. That is so, yeah. so, so true. Okay, oh let, me ta- let me take a little break. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. You can go to his website, drglennpickering.com. He always has a lovely invitation if you want to get a 20-minute free consultation with him, no strings attached. You can go to drglennpickering.com. We'll be right back. It's the afternoon show. 
let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Yeah. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. It is the afternoon show. My guest is Dr. Glenn Pickering. We're talking about moving forward in any relationship. And he is giving us some pointers. The first one is we get stuck in the past, not only ours, but theirs. And then number two, we don't want to be vulnerable. And Glenn, you talk about uh, choosing approval instead of allowing for real love. Say more about that. I love to. Let me set it up just for a second by sort of finishing where we were, and then we'll jump right into that because it goes together perfect. Um, you know, you're talking about, we're talking at the end just before that break about um, not wanting to be alone. That if I believe the big lie about if I'm vulnerable, I won't, I might get hurt. If I'm invulnerable, I won't. That's crazy because if I'm invulnerable, I end up alone and I get hurt for sure. Now, I want to follow that up just by saying this. Sometimes when I talk to people about being vulnerable and they see that they really do need to in order to get where they want to go, they're likely to say something to me like, Glenn, I, I just don't know if I can do that. I don't think I can do it. And, and I don't argue with them. I understand the fear. And so the right answer to that thought, I don't know if I can do it, is this. You can't. This is where our faith is so, so important and so helpful. You know, in Judges 6, God comes to Gideon, calls him to do some great things. And Gideon says why he can't do it. And God said, but I will be with you. And Gideon gets up and goes. And we need to understand that being invulnerable leads us to being alone, which is our biggest fear. That's absolutely true. But God's one promise to us is that I will always be with you. You will never be alone. So at any time there's a place where you need to be a little more vulnerable, need to show up a little differently, need to put your heart out there a little bit more, kid, coworker, spouse, doesn't matter. And there's a part of you that thinks, God, I don't know if I can even do that. It's important to remember, you don't have to do it by yourself. You don't. God will give you the strength and the courage and the words to use. And if you're open to it, God will literally guide you through that whole process. So you don't have to do it by yourself. So when people say, Glenn, I don't think I can do it, I think, yeah, you can't. But that's okay because you don't need to. Because the God says, I will be with you, will be with you. Yeah, we need to remind ourselves of that every hour of the day. Honestly, I think that's really, really true. Yeah. I, uh, right. So now, and you talked about approval. Now, when we're free to be vulnerable, then we choose approval instead of love, which, again, is a way that we keep our relationships from moving forward. Because if I'm always choosing approval instead of letting people love the real me, I just stay stuck in the same relationship over and over again. In fact, I have that same relationship with everybody in my life. Because here's what I've really come to understand, 40 years of working with the thousands of people who have come to talk to me. When I choose approval, I try to look the way I think they want me to look so that they will say they like me. So I hide whatever my real self is, just like Adam and Eve would hide themselves behind fig leaves, hide behind the tree once they felt ashamed. But see, if I actually want transformed relationships where they move forward in powerfully great godly ways, I need to let people love me, not approve of me, which means they need to see the real me. 
Because love means I understand who you actually are and I love the real you. Mm. Well, see, if I choose approval, I'm like, I'm like Adam and Eve. They feel bad about themselves, so they hide themselves. And I think, see, if we think there's something wrong with us, if we don't really get the godly message, that we are literally precious and perfect exactly as we are, and we think we have to hide ourselves, hide our flaws, hide our mistakes, so that people will approve of us. But that approval is so unhelpful to us. Approval seekers, and I for sure used to be one of them, think, hey, if enough people approve of me, then I'll feel good about myself. But here's what really happens. If I'm doing the approval thing and just trying to appear a certain way so people will say they like me, when somebody pats me in the back and says, Glenn, I really like you, I don't think, oh, great, now I feel better. I think, ah, yeah, but if you knew the real me, you probably wouldn't think that. Mm-hmm. So I go away as an approval seeker to get people to say they like me, thinking they'll make me feel better, but all it does is make me feel worse. Glenn, so is, we need, uh, go ahead. does that happen Pretty regularly, do people present a partial imposter to the world? Because if you really knew me, you wouldn't like me. Right. And honestly, I think as Christians, we are particularly likely to make this mistake. Mm -hmm. We don't want to get judged. We want people to like us. We want to be part of the community. And if we're not careful, we bring sort of our pretend self to that community instead of our real self. Yeah. You think of a person showing up for church, how you doing? Oh, great, fantastic. Super, oh, yeah. Super. I'm so great. Yeah. And is that is that the real you showing up or are you presenting, a, you know, like a partial uh, representation of how they you how you'd like to be seen? Right. I want to look the way you think. With the, I want to look the way I think you think I should look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had trouble following that, but I think I know what you were trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I probably wasn't very clear. No, that's okay. I got it, though. Um, so, here's the thing. So, Jesus says in the Great Commandment that we're supposed to love our God with our whole heart and love our neighbor as ourselves. And it's really important to understand, that's a very active process. And it's an ongoing process. We can't hide out and think that somehow it's going to work out for us. Right. You know, Jesus tells a parable you know, in Matthew 25 about the talents, you know, a person who's given one talent, two talents, five. People, the person who got two and five, they did something with it. The person that had one talent didn't do anything with it because they were afraid. And that fear is what gives us wanting to be vulnerable. We just get afraid. So good. And Jesus, and so mostly people, if anybody's going to preach in that sermon, they quit quoting the story right there, and they talk about how you got to use your talents, whatever God's given you as a talent, you got to have the courage to use it. And that's all true. There's nothing wrong with that sermon. But that's not where the story actually ends. So Jesus then says, so take the talent from the one who has one and give it to the one who has ten, for those who have will more be given to those who have not. Even what they have will be taken away. Whoa. You can see why nobody wants to preach on that sense. Mm-hmm. Once again, that was harsh. But I just want people to understand, Jesus is not trying to be harsh in the least. That's a warning. It's not a condemnation. It's a warning. If we think, well, I can just kind of do the minimum, kind of go through life, I can just pray not to get hurt again, we will end up losing everything. People won't really know us. We won't have real friends. We're not going to actually be able to succeed in life because if I'm going to succeed in life, I actually have to show up. 
I think Jesus is trying to tell us this. Nobody's going to end up with a C plus. Well, say more about that. What do you mean no one's going to show end up with a C plus? Because here's the thing. So many people think, well, I just want a normal life. I just want the average life. And I think nobody gets the average life. Okay. And Jesus tell us that. If I really get that in my relationships and in all of my life, I'm supposed to get better and better, more and more loving, deeper and deeper, more and more connected to God, then in the end, my life overflows with abundance. Yeah, that's not a C plus, is it? No, but if I don't believe that and I hide out, I keep my talents to myself, I don't make a difference in the world, I don't let anybody know me, in the end, I don't have a meaning, I don't have friends, I don't have connections, I don't even have a purpose. And I've visited enough people in nursing homes to know we all end up at one of those two places. Mm -hmm. That's why nobody ends up with a C plus. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for making that more yeah. clear. Question came in. Uh, and you've probably heard this question in your office many, many times. So this answer will come easily for you, I would imagine. Why can't I leave this unhealthy relationship where I'm not in love with my guy, but feel we're both struggling with codependency we're not into drugs or alcohol. I need help leaving. Why can't I be courageous and leave him? Well, there's two possibilities. One, you're trying to do it by yourself. You're not letting God help you if leaving that relationship is right. Two, if you're both codependent, you're possibly having trouble leaving because you both know you never let your real self show up in the first place. Mm. So you don't actually know if that relationship's the right one or not. So the the real person may never have been involved in the relationship. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. On both sides. Because if, if I'm codependent, I'm always trying to make other people happy, make sure nobody else is upset. My real self doesn't much show up. I got it. So two people, yeah. two people put their life like that, and then at the end they think, I don't know if I love you. It'd be more accurate to say, I don't know if I even know you. Wow. All right. So. <laughs> so then it's going to be hard to know, should I stay or should I go now? Because I don't have enough data. You know, when Jesus sends out the disciples two by two, he tells them not to take an extra cloak, not to take extra food with them. And it's because he doesn't want them to go to the town he sends them to with an exit strategy. Well, I'll go here. If it works, that's fine. If it doesn't, doesn't matter. I got food. I got clothes. I can just go somewhere else. He wants them to put their whole self into where they're going. And then he says, and if they hear you, great, stay. If they don't, shake the dust off your feet and move on. In other words, how will I know if I'm supposed to be there? By putting your whole self into it. Then it will be either clear to you that you're supposed to be there or clear to you that you're not. But until we do that, we really don't know. Mm -hmm. So point number two, Glenn, is we don't want to be vulnerable. So right. how do we start with being vulnerable? I always think if people say, Glenn, I'm a little afraid to be vulnerable, I think, right, because you think they're, they're thinking, I got to bleed my heart everywhere, everywhere I meet, I got to tell my whole story to every single person I talk to. I think, no, no, and no. Number one, I always want people to start with the first step, with the safest place. So maybe for you, when you realize, hey, I've been maybe too judgmental of my kid, I'm going to start off by being vulnerable by just telling my kid, I'm sorry if I've been judgmental and I want us to have a different relationship. Or I might start confiding in a good friend who always says, hey, Glenn, how's your day going? And instead of answering the question, honestly, I just say fine. I'm going to start telling them a little bit about how my day actually went. 
we can even start with people we don't even know. Bill, you and I had this really fun conversation a few times ago about how I used to sit in a park, you do it in the store, but we just say little prayers for people mm-hmm. as they walk, people we don't even know. Well, see, even just doing that, I'm being vulnerable, I'm being open, I'm letting God speak through me, I'm letting God put whatever prayers I have for that person on my heart. And if that's a person's safest place, I think, great, start with the safest place and work your way up. That's that's always the right answer, but it's especially the right answer if I'm trying to learn how to be more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Start with the safest place, work our way up. Mm-hmm. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest. You can go to his website, which is drglennpickering.com. You can learn more about Glenn there. He also has this lovely offer. All you have to do to get 20 minutes of a free, no-strings-attached consultation is fill out a little form. He won't bug you or pester you, and it's uh, no obligation, just 20 minutes of Glenn time, and I promise that's that goes a long way. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back as we continue our discussion about uh, moving forward in any relationship. Thanks so much for listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. If you enjoy what you're finding here, consider subscribing to some of our other faith radio podcasts, like mine, for instance. You can search Susie Larson Live at myfaithradio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Glenn Pickering is my guest for the full hour. We're talking about moving forward in any relationship. If you just jumped into your car, welcome. Nice to have you with us. Oh, he's giving us three guidance points. The first one was we get stuck in the past, not only ours, but the other person that you're in relationship with, and we don't want to be vulnerable, and that's what we just got done talking about. So if you missed any of it, I always recommend going to the podcast Go to MyFaithRadio.com, check out the afternoon show page, and you can listen right from the beginning. All right, Glenn, let's go to number three, which is we don't ask. I know. I'm always struck by this. People really want transformation in their life, their workplace, their relationships. I totally get it. And But somehow they don't ask God to bring that to them. Hmm. And I think that's confusing. I mean, Jesus says in Matthew 7, ask and you shall receive. And people want to find exceptions to that. Well, yeah, if you're asking for the right things, I think, no, it says, ask and you shall receive. It's not a maybe. It's not a sometime. <laughs> yeah. You will ask and you shall receive now. But you must ask. You know, I know, Bill, you've heard me say several times before about how much I love this story about Bartimaeus in uh, Mark 10. You know, Jesus and a bunch of his disciples, they're leaving Jericho, they're heading to Jerusalem. And the whole crowd walks past Blind Bartimaeus, the bigger, sitting by the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Bartimaeus sees that it's Jesus. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. People tell him to shut up, but he keeps yelling. And finally, Jesus calls him over. So here's blind Bartimaeus, the bigger, standing in front of Jesus. And Jesus says, what do you want? Yeah, right. <laughs> what would you like me to do for you? Oh, exactly. And it's like, well, golly, I'm a blind beggar. Wouldn't it be obvious that we need to go there? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Jesus is asking what I think is the obvious question, but he still wants us to ask. Right, and so then Bartimaeus says, I'd like to receive my sight, and Jesus basically said, done. Right. So, it's just important. God will bless us in amazing ways. God commands that we transform our life and then gives us the power and the ability to do it. 
But we have to ask for that power and we have to ask for that ability because God won't force us. We really do have free will. God will literally not make us do anything. He invites us, he nudges us, he encourages us, he opens doors for us. But in the end, we still have to ask. We mm-hmm. still have we still have to say, mm-hmm. yes, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, why, why is that a scary thing, Glenn? Well, it's scary, I think, because it, it brings us right up against, um, oh, how can I say? It brings us right up against any beliefs or thoughts we have that are different than that. So, for example, I might say to a client, you can have a great relationship with that friend or that partner if you want to. And they might say, oh, but I've never had that before. In other words, they really don't believe it. It's like when um, the guy in Mark 9 brings his son, you know, the demons throw him in the fire and throw him in the water. Jesus is just coming down from the mountaintop. And he says to Jesus, "Um, I ask that you would heal him if you can. And Jesus is like, if I can, <laughs> the I'm talking to Moses. I have this glow around me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I can. But that's why the disciples couldn't heal the boy either, because the dad didn't really believe that they could. So he didn't really ask them because he didn't really believe they could. So, Glenn, that kind of brings me to the next point, which is if your heart is not really open to seeing or receiving gifts, you're going to have a problem. Yes. I, um, I love how it says at the end of Matthew 7, where Jesus says, you know, ask and you shall receive. It said basically, seek ye first God's righteousness, and then all these other things will just be given unto you. And I love that, because basically what he's saying is, start by just honoring God. Right back to the great commandment, love God, love your neighbor. So start with loving God, and just be at prayer, and just feel God's love around you. And in that moment, when you're gently in the prayer time, you're just feeling God's love around you, you will know that God cares for you and will give you what you ask. And then that's when you ask, because you are filled with God's love. You're just really clear. You're not double-minded like James talks about, which I want to come back to in just a second. And then our heart is really open, and we can receive those gifts. But see, if we're not really connected to God, because we're sort of doubting or we disbelieve, or I have beliefs that say, I'll never get what I want anyway, so what bother even asking? Until I really am surrounded by God's love, and I just really get, on some really fundamental level, God adores me as I am. Whoa. Then it becomes perfectly natural for a child to ask their loving parent for what they want. Mm-hmm. And, of course, in the midst of being surrounded by that love, I will know that God's going to start working on bringing that to me. So we need to ask. But the more we put ourselves in a place where we're surrounded by God's love, the more faith we have, the more we're likely to ask, and the more strongly we just know that, of course, God will want to honor those things. So our heart has to be open to seeing that we could. And if I have any beliefs that get in the way of that, then I can't get it. Like, so many times people make, you know, New Year's resolutions, and by January 3rd, those resolutions are already in the bucket. So let's say I make a resolution, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. Okay. Mm-hmm. What I really believe is, well, it's just genetic. Those diets never work. I've tried to lose weight before and it never worked before. And I really don't believe I can actually do it. Well, even if I say my resolution is to lose 10 pounds, while really believing to myself that I will never do it, I don't do it. Mm-hmm. I don't believe I even can. As opposed to coming to God and saying, God, under my own power, I haven't been able to do this, but I know you love me. I know you want good for me. I'm asking you to help me with this. 
at which point things shift and I will lose that weight. I will I will follow through on that resolution. Mm-hmm. Remember, I, I can't do it myself. I need God's help. And God wants me to ask for that help because God literally won't force me to do anything. And I have to be able to picture, so it says in Proverbs, without a vision, people will perish. I have to be able to picture myself receiving that blessing instead of telling myself all the reasons why I can't. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're open to seeing and receiving gifts, I think you can pray with a greater sense of expectancy. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. That, I couldn't have said it better. That's beautiful. Uh, that's from Sir Isaac Arnold. You've already quoted <laughs> Sir Isaac Newton, so I like it. That's yeah, right. yeah, it's a, I like it. Yeah, but I know there's uh, the need to ask, and and God just in the example of Bartimaeus, which is I just another passage in Mark ten that I love that God will look at us in our obvious situation and still want to know what we want. And that, you know, we have to trust him for the outcome. We can't say, this is what I want, and I better see the result the way I'm asking. I think despite the fact that he asked Bartimaeus what he wanted, I still think for me as a believer that comes to Christ in, in, in prayer, I need to let him set the outcome. Right, because... A, for sure that's right. B, it's because the outcome will be bigger than we could have imagined anyway. Totally. So the instant instant Jesus heals him, so he has this sight, he now has a whole set of new possibilities. He can go back home to his family, which Jesus says you could do, or you could follow Jesus and start this amazing journey, this whole adventure, which is what he chooses to do. Mm -hmm. So not only will God answer our request, he will answer it in a way that's so far beyond it, just like it says in Ephesians 3, so so much beyond our imagining that it'll be like, oh, 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 wow. Mm-hmm. I'm not being given my sight. I'm being given this opportunity to start a whole new life. And if it happens in our relationships too, if we ask God to help with our relationship, to transform that relationship, and there's this transformation that happens, we're no longer stuck. Many blessings will now start to flow into our life through that relationship. So not only will the answer be yes, the answer will be yes and so many other things will come to you, you will laugh out loud. There are times when I'm so grateful, I just start laughing because I can hardly believe all the gifts that come to me. Yeah. Just, honestly, it just makes me laugh. I mean, the Bartimaeus it's, story is just the beginning because right, if Bartimaeus right. was a lifetime blind beggar, he has no skill set. He has no way to make a living. Uh, right. So now all of a sudden he's got vision and he's able to do things he's you know never been able to do in the past. He needs the Lord for his next breath because I don't know how he's going to support how he's going to support himself. Right. So right. It, it, it's just the start. It's the beginning. Right. Exactly. And so often, as soon as we ask for something and it comes to us, we realize, oh, I got more than what I asked for, which opens up new horizons for us, which makes there new things for that we want to ask for, and that's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Some sometimes people are like, "Well, Glenn, is it too much to ask for?" And I think. Wow. Ask and you shall receive. It doesn't get any simpler. Right. Like people are gonna think, well, God will get exhausted. I think we're talking about the God who created the entire known universe with a thought. <laughs> right. He's gonna get tired of you asking. Mm-hmm. What about a what about someone with a scarcity mentality though that says, Well, I'd like I'd like to have a relationship, but it might not ever be good, and I guess that's just good enough for me. Right. And I'm just going to say to them, A, that's really non-biblical. So you just need to understand you are now in opposition to God's will for your life. 
one. Two, I often find it help, helpful myself and for my clients to start with gratitude. Like if I'm having a hard time believing that God could bless me, it's super helpful to look back and just notice all the ways God has already blessed me to be really, truly grateful for all those blessings because that opens up my heart to believe, well, of course, instead of thinking, well, why would God bless me? I need to think, oh, God has continually blessed me. So why wouldn't he keep blessing me? Because that's what he's done every day so far. Mm-hmm. Again, open to receiving whatever those gifts might be. Yeah. But I, but I need to remember, we have a thousand reasons for not moving forward, for staying in our comfort zone, for not choosing transformation. And only one reason to do it, because we are literally commanded to do it. And we'll only be able to live the rich life that God has for us if we do. Mm-hmm. Glenn, great discussion. Thank you for bringing this to our attention and, and guiding us with these three points. We get stuck in the past, we don't want to be vulnerable, and we don't ask. That was very helpful. Thank you for your time. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I love being on this you show. Bet. Thank you, Dr. Glenn Pickering has been my guest. If you want to learn more about Glenn and his counseling services and his books, you can go to drglennpickering.com. He also offers a lovely invitation if you'd like 20 minutes of uh, talk time with him on the telephone you can do that and you don't have to uh, have any strings attached it's just uh, him wanting to help you get started with whatever uh, concerns you have and 20 minutes is a long time with glenn on the phone just so you know so that wraps up our show thanks uh, for listening and tuning in if you missed any of it i always recommend and suggest highly going to myfaithradio.com checking out the afternoon's with Bill show page, that'd be me, and you can hear any show from the beginning. I hope you have a wonderful night as you lay your head on the pillow. Know that God has a beautiful plan for your life. He loves you. I do too. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.